So we are studying Matthew chapter 5. We are once again talking about the Beatitudes as our series continues. And the Beatitudes, if you are not familiar with the term, it is a set of characteristics, um, a way of kingdom mindset, I'd like to call it, where Jesus is inviting us to join, to participate in, and to live on in our daily walk as believers. We're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, and it reads, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. See, I think about Jesus, and I think about how he lived his life, and I think about even the way he selected his disciples, right? He had tax collectors. He had uh, Jewish scholars. He had fishermen. And in that, he also had a guy named Simon the Zealot. Now, for those who are not familiar with uh, who the Zealots were, they were an extreme Jewish group, almost compared to nowadays uh, like Al-Qaeda, right? They are extreme. They're fighting for their beliefs, their rights. And here he has Matthew, a tax collector who is representing the Roman Empire, collecting taxes from his very own people, the Jewish people. And Jesus finds a way to bring these two guys together, work together their differences, their disagreements, their conflicts, their beliefs and interests, and use them to impact the world we live in today through the gospel. Someone say peace. See, today, church, we navigate through Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. And as we read this and we see the word peacemaker, we have to ask ourselves, what is a peacemaker? Fun fact, a peacemaker, the word peacemaker is only said once in the Bible, and only Jesus said it. But the word peacemaker derives from the root word peace. And peace is said 400 and sometimes around the whole Bible. More than 400 times do we see the word peace in the Bible. So Marlon, if I was to ask you or you were to ask me, is peace an important thing for God? The answer is absolutely yes. Peace is important for God. It's important for us. And we're going to talk about that today. See, so what is a peacemaker? A working definition of what a peacemaker is, is someone who is actively seeking to reconcile people to God and to one another. You're actively seeking to reconcile people to God and to one another. So why? Why is this so important? Well, because it's in our reconciliation with God it's in our reconciliation with God in which you and I can only find what is true peace and what is genuine peace. Romans chapter 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So why is peace needed? Why was this reconciliation so important? Well, to keep it simple is because we were in a disagreement with God. See, we were in conflict with God. See, there is something that separates us from God, and that word and that act and those actions is known as sin. See, because of our sin and because our rebellion, we are in conflict with God. So here we have Paul write in Romans saying, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. See, because through Jesus, we are now reconciled with God. 
See, we put our faith in Jesus so that there is nothing that can separate us from God. Where once we were separated in our relationship with God, when once God was so far away from us that we would not believe, and some of us here sitting today might feel that way, but because of Jesus Christ and the reconciliation we found in him, we now have peace with God. See, God sees you in Christ, therefore we can find rest and peace in God. Tell your neighbor, peace in God is found through Jesus Christ. Now, for this next part, I'm going to look down. Because if you're here this morning, and I'm looking down on purpose, maybe watching online as well, and you have yet to accept Jesus in your life, as you sit now, you are considered an enemy of God. And I'm continuing to look down. See, in fact, you are at war with God. Reason being because of that word sin. And because there is nothing in your own strength that you can do to fix it. But Jesus in his provision of death, his burial, and resurrection can set you free. And in that, he could give you reconciliation with God. Therefore, being justified by faith in Jesus Christ, you have peace with God. Now, as I continue this message, I want to take a moment to pray with you guys. Just bow that where you are. Just bow your, eye, uh, bow your head. Close your eyes. And we're going to create a space right now as we continue this message to give that opportunity to those who may not have received it yet. So if you want to pray along with me, go ahead. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins, and you resurrected, conquering death and sin. In this resurrection, Lord... I now have peace, and I have a relationship with the Father. Lord, I accept you into my life as my one and only Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See, now if you prayed this prayer of faith, right, if you have said, Jesus, I give you my life, I give you my faith, I give you my thoughts and ideas right now in this moment, we're going to go back to what Romans 5, 1 says. And it says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you just sat there right now in this moment and you said, I'm going to pray this prayer. I don't know what this crazy guy up there is talking about, but I have to have faith in this guy named Jesus. And I'm ready to give my life away. And it's not the prayer, essentially, that's going to change your life. It's the faith that you have in Jesus that will reconcile you to God. So if you prayed that prayer... I want to let you know and welcome you to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. So a peacemaker, right? Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God. So what's a peacemaker? A peacemaker is someone that is just not one who creates peace between individuals, but also shares about the peace of God. So how could you tell someone's a peacemaker? They're running to share the good news of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. 
All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. But that is, in Christ God was reconciled the world to himself, not, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. See, church, we are ambassadors for God. See, for some weird reason that I have no explanation, God has decided that this church here in Baldwin at One Life, God reconciled the, rela- the relationship with you through Jesus and now said, I'm going to call you ambassadors of my faith. He is saying, there is something that I see here at One Life that the people of the world must see. There is something I'm doing in the community in Baldwin that the people around won't understand but will desire because they are appealing for my kingdom. So how does this apply to how we're living right now? God is calling each and every one of us to be ambassadors of his kingdom, to reconcile the lost through Jesus. Well, if you find yourself worrying more about your neighbor's political views and how, rather than how they bring their life to Jesus, you're not being a peacemaker. See, if you find yourself worrying about your neighbor's policies and thoughts and views on mandates and war more than them knowing Jesus, you're not really a peacemaker. See, because in us caring more about other things rather than us caring about their salvation, we are no longer ambassadors. If you find yourself sharing more gossip than gospel, you're not living like a peacemaker. One more time? I think you guys got it. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Another version says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people. All people. The Bible isn't saying pursue peace with those that share your same views, your same convictions. It's not saying, you know, provide you know, pursue peace with those who follow the same sports teams as you, the ones that think like you, the ones that come from the same background and culture like you. Because that's very common, right? As a Hispanic myself, when I see Spanish people, I feel like, Woo, that's me. That's, those are my people. And then all of a sudden, a different group of people come around, and I'm more sheltered. I'm more shy. But you see, in the kingdom of heaven, as an ambassador who is appealing for God, for the people that need Jesus, you can't shy away. No, you must pursue all people. You must seek all people. You must run, jump, and hurdle and chase all people because they need peace as much as we need peace as ambassadors of God. And I want to be very clear, right, because it can be sometimes uh, distorted. In us seeking peace, this does not mean that we agree to everything the world says is right. 
You understand what I'm saying? It does not mean because the world says, you know, the sky is green, and everybody in the world agrees the sky is green, we're going to go ahead and say the sky is green just to be at peace with people. Because that's not how the kingdom of heaven works. There is a way that God has called us to live, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are those who agree with everyone. Being a peacemaker doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have to get along with everyone. But you also have to be okay with how that person is. Rather than add conflict and disagreement, you're adding justice and truth and righteousness and love and grace and mercy. Paul writes and explains the signs and the marks of a Christian. So you may say, what does a Christian look like? And he goes on to say, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Blessed are those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. And some of us love to pay evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in sight of all. And here it is, verse 18. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Once again, he is saying, do not compromise what God is calling you to do or how God is calling you to live to have peace. He says, as you can do as much in your will and your ability and in that parameter and those boundaries that God has created for you to be able to live peacefully, do that. But do not conform to this world. Do not compromise to this world. But pursue peace and pursue reconciliation. Once again, in as much as you can do. Well, Marlon, how do I know if I've done enough? How do I know if I have tried my best in bringing peace to that neighbor that decides to play music at 7 o'clock in the morning on Saturday? Right? We all have those neighbors. If you don't, you're probably that neighbor. <laughs> right? How do I pursue peace with my coworkers that give me a hard time, with my manager that is stubborn? Wow, I'm speaking from my own life right now. How do I pursue peace with that brother in church who for some reason always takes my favorite seat? How do I know I've done enough? Well, you don't. You don't. You have to ask someone else, hey, this is the situation. Someone that isn't emotionally attached to that situation and say, have I done enough? Have I done enough? And they'll... You know, if you have those honest friends, I'm one of those honest friends, nah, you could do a little bit more. Well, did you really try? Are you still arguing with them over that? Come on. How do you know you're doing enough to pursue that peace? You have to lean on one another to be able to give each other accountability. Amen? I don't know if you guys are sleeping on me, but it's about to get crazy. I just said that in Mariah's voice as I said that. <laughs> you have to find someone who isn't tied to the conflict 
to give you true perspective of what your situation looks like as a peacemaker. Now, this one hit me. This one hit home when I, when I, when I wrote this down. Are you someone that is a point maker or someone that is a peacemaker? I, I'm a point maker. And it's hard. When I, when I wrote this down, I was like, do I want to say that? Many of us, you know, have that in us, that pride. You know, and I'll speak for my Spanish people, right? We have that Latino pride. Sometimes you know you're wrong, but if you're convincing enough, they might think they're wrong. (laughs) Some of us were meant to be lawyers. I always thought if I wasn't what I was right now, I'd probably be a lawyer because I would find a way to make my point across. Some of us care more about making a point than creating peace in our relationships. You see, if Jesus is a peacemaker and the devil is a troublemaker, who do you resemble? And there's not really much room for middle ground. So ask yourself, am I a peacemaker or am I a troublemaker? And not even the good trouble, the bad trouble, the one, the trouble that, hey, that person goes to church on Sunday? Nah, they can't be that person. And I want to quickly pause here, church, and just say you guys are a beautiful group of people. Someone received that very fast. (laughs) Right now, my wife and I are going through what would be the next chapter of our life, and it's not kids. Don't worry. I know you you guys will know. I will be that dad posting every single second. Oh, you know, one week. And we were looking at the community of Baldwin and just seeing you guys, the way you guys live, just looking, if you guys could stand where I am right now and see the diversity and, and the color and the, and the different cultures, it's beautiful. Amen? And there's such beauty in this melting pot that's here in Baldwin. And we looked at other communities around and we're like, I don't know if our future kids are going to get along too well there. Or are they going to stand out too much in a negative way? But here, they'll get to meet everyone, race, culture, color language. This is, I mean, if you're from Baldwin, give yourself a round of applause right now because this is a beautiful place. See, but in that diversity, there's conflicts. See, in the diversity, there's differences of opinion, differences of perspective, differences of mannerisms. And in that difference, there's conflict, there's disagreement, there's trouble. And that's where God is calling the church here at One Life to be peacemakers. See, because what unites us is always, always, and always, and remember this, what unites us here is always going to be stronger than what divides us. See, because we're not built on ideals. We're not built on rules. We're built on Jesus. And if you're built on Jesus, if your house is built on that rock, You will not move when there's a storm coming your way. You will not move when there's conflict in your way. You will not move when there's diversity in your way. Because you understand the way I live is not the way the world calls me to live. I'm a peacemaker. Go ahead and say, I'm a peacemaker. You see, for some reason, God has chosen this community here to show the world what peacemakers look like. 
See, I want the world to look at us and say, what is it that Rob has that I want? God is calling us to say, hey, what is it that Shanika has that Chris has? It's different. It doesn't look the same. Everyone in that, in that conference room was just yelling at each other, and she is quiet. She is praying? That's crazy. But that's what God in the Beatitudes is calling us to do, to not live like the world, to not be conformed to the world, to be peacemakers. And some of us struggle. I, I told you I'm a, I'm a point maker before I'm a peacemaker. Now it's different, I'd like to say. Call me out on it but not in public. If you find yourself having trouble being reconciled to the relationships around you, and remember I kind of did this with the message on righteousness, then you have to go ahead and focus on what your relationship and reconciliation looks like with God. See, because when your reconciliation with God, when your peace with God is good, everyone around us will know it. Everyone around you We'll see it. Have you ever had a conflict with someone at church? If you haven't, just wait. See, you put enough different people in a building, there's sure to be conflicts. See, Angie, my wife, she's not here today, but we're only two people. We get into conflicts. I can only imagine when you put hundreds and thousands of people from different walks of life into one building, of course there's going to be conflicts, but it's how you go about it that will make you a difference maker. See, unresolved conflicts and relational brokenness have no place in the family of God. I'm going to go ahead and say that again. Unresolved conflicts and relational brokenness have no place in the family of God. Because what unites us is greater than what divides us. Matthew 5.23 says, so if you are offering your gift to the altar, at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come to the, off, to, to the altar and offer your gift. First he says reconcile with your brother. Be a peacemaker with your brother, with your sister. And then come give God your worship. And then come give God your offering. And then come give God your hallelujahs and your amens and your yeses and your clapping and your yelling. Because there is a problem. There is a conflict. See, just last week, I myself had some sort of intervention, let's call it. We were um, in marriage uh, counseling with my wife. And she was bothered by something that I did. And it wasn't towards her, funny enough. Usually, you know, us husbands mess up very quickly. But it was something that I did towards my brother. So for those who don't know, I'm, a, I'm the oldest brother of, of four, four guys. And being in that and, you know, being raised by a single mother for most of her life, I had taken on the role of almost like a parent. And my brother had done something. I didn't like it. He knew. I had already told him, if, if I get a call from the school, there's going to be consequences. I took the phone away. She wasn't, my, uh, Angie didn't know I was going to do this, so I think that also bothered her because now she feels like she's guilty by association. And I took the phone away, 
And I exercised an authority that I found out later that week I didn't have. And that's a parental authority. See, because many, you know, for many years of my life, I grew up being the, the guy that they run to if my mom wasn't available. Or being that, that father figure for, for them who didn't, you know, weren't raised with a father because their father passed away. And in that, I think there was also a tra uh, transition of power from my mom to me to be able to discipline, to be able to correct. And in marriage therapy, the therapist, Dr. Daisy, you guys already know him, he said, unfortunately, we come from backgrounds where that's okay, but it's not. And it's going to be hard for you guys to understand this because you grow up in a cycle of this. But Mario, Luis, Leo, they have fathers. You're a brother. And the concern came from me because... As time has gone by and as I moved out of the house, I saw myself losing that relationship with my brothers. And the reason was because I had already exercised a parental authority that wasn't mine. I was a parent before I was a brother. See, in them, there might have been resentment. In them, there might have been differences. In them, there might have been a conflict that wasn't resolved because of the way life turned out. There was no one to point fingers at other than the situation. And in that, I caught myself saying, this can't be. I can't have no relationship with my brother. I need the relationship with my brother. So I took them out last week. Like always, plans don't go as according. We, went to, we were going to go to Topgolf. <laughs> and the, the wait was too long. So we ended up going to play mini golf around the corner. And that was the best time that I've had in a while with them. We were just brothers. And it was a heavy conversation to have. The plan was to say it before all that stuff happened, and part of me was like, nope, don't do it, don't do it. It's not the right time. The don't, you know, don't kill the mood. And at the very end, as we're driving back home after eating, because, you know, we have to eat as guys. We need to eat. I told them, I said, guys, I want to apologize to you guys. And they got, you know, it came from left field because everything was good. I want to apologize to you guys because in my errors, we weren't able to have a relationship as brothers. In my error and our mistakes of just the way things turned out, I was not able to grow up as a big brother, but rather as someone else that you guys didn't need. And I don't want this to continue, I told them. I don't want us to one day have children and not be able to spend time together because there is resentment that you guys held towards me. See, in that moment, as hard as it was, God was calling me to be a peacemaker in my brothers, in my family. And I didn't plan it this way. But God works in mysterious ways. See, God works and puts you in positions where you could either be a peacemaker or you could just nudge away from what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. See, as part of the body of Christ, church, you're responsible to share with others the experience of peace that you received from God. You're responsible to share that peace that God provides for you to others. See, you're responsible to pursue and reconcile relationships in your own life, and last, in others. And I was, as I was sitting there in the car talking to my brothers and seeing some of them tear up and some of them saying, no, you don't have to apologize, there was something that has started. There was a mending of anything that was torn, that was broken up. And now I could easily say, and I told them straight up, I am not your brother. Don't ask for too much help because I'm going to have the freedom to say no. I'm going to have the freedom to just be your brother. And, I, and it's going to be weird. 
And it's going to be a conversation I later have to have with my mom as well so she understands what's happening. But God is doing something here. God is doing something in me. And it would be irresponsible of me, I told them, as your older brother, to lead you and not show you what the right way looks like. And it was a quick but heavy 30 to 45-minute conversation as we sat in the car. But I left, and they left, with a peace. And there's a peace that only God provides where you know no matter what just happened, everything is going to be okay. So I ask you, what relationships in your life with your children, with your siblings, with your parents need to be reconciled? Because I'm sure as I'm sharing the story, you guys are thinking about a couple of people. Because it's human nature to error and to want to conflict and be point, make, point makers rather than provide peace. Because there is pride. Because there is, you were wrong your whole life and now I'm the one that's right and I have to fix this. That was an internal battle that I had with myself. I thought I was doing good this whole time. Now are you telling me I'm wrong? Yeah. What is God calling you? Who is God calling you to reconcile your relationship? See, as Christians, we are called to be difference makers. As a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, you don't have the luxury of doing what the world does because it is not beneficial to you nor to those around you. And I invite you to be peacemakers in your families, in your relationships at work, uh, but this doesn't mean, and I, once again, I don't want to distort this. This doesn't mean go be nosy, right? Because some of us will take this message and run and start being nosy in places where you're not supposed to be. Like you have no business doing, doing anything there. But through thoughtful prayer, consideration, when the Holy Spirit starts, starts to nudge at you, don't fight it. God is calling you to reconcile a relationship with someone that you know needs reconciling. He's calling you to be a peacemaker where there is no peace. Now, if you, if you think about this, you think about social media as well, right? On social media, how are you? Are you seeking to reconcile or are you seeking to divide? Right? What you post, how you post, what you say, what you don't say. See, the world is so upside down, guys, that when they see reconciliation, they want to know what it is. They want to know what it is. What does that look like? on social media, in our lives, at work. See, they are attracted because the culture in itself is so opposite of what Jesus is telling us to live. The norm is different. So what are four common hurdles into becoming a peacemaker? What are the things that are going to stop you from wanting to be a peacemaker? You ready? For those of you running to take notes... An unforgiven spirit. You are unwilling to forgive those who wronged you. And therefore, you prefer to be in conflict with that person. Some of us are comfortable in the conflict. So comfortable that it would be weird to have peace with my brother. It would be weird to have peace with that neighbor because I'm not used to it. But if God forgave us, you should forgive. As simple as that. If God has forgiven your sins, your inequities, your rebellions, your disagreements, and your conflicts with him, you have no right to hold on to forgiveness where someone needs it. The second one, the second hurdle, taking up offenses for others. 
What does that mean? You become a champion to maintain a broken relationship. See, you stand for not forgiving someone who wronged a friend, a family member. Anybody have friends like that? Everyone has to have friends like that. Right? If you want someone to back you up, you tell that person because you know the person that your leader at church, your pastor at church is going to tell you to run the other way. But now you have this friend. Oh, yeah, yo, you, you don't like him? I don't like him. You have beef with him? Now we have beef with him. That's not a peacemaker mentality. But yet we, we fight for that. We love that. Oh, yeah, I, you know what? I didn't even like him anyways. No, no, no. God is calling you to be a peacemaker. The third one, a tongue that is out of control. Proverbs 16, 28 says, a perverse person stirs up conflict, those troublemakers, and a gossip separates close friends. A wild tongue, right? Someone that just says anything, anywhere, at any time to just start up problems. Everything is going fine in the friends group. All of a sudden, someone says something, oh, yeah, it's about to get real now. Oh, did you hear what they just said about you? Starting problems where there shouldn't be any problems. Last but not least, a lack of compassion. We lack empathy to see others' positions. And this one resonated with me as well. But why? Just, you'll be all right. Get over it. There's no compassion there. See, we lack brokenness in God to understand and see how others may feel. And in that, we struggle to be peacemakers. So what's the promise in pursuing peace, right? What's the promise in pursuing this peace that Jesus is calling us to create, to make, to find? See, the first implication is, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So the first promise is, you'll be known as a son of God, as a child of God, as a child of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. People will know you from afar and say, hey, there's something special about that person. The Bible doesn't say, blessed are those that are peacemakers, for they will call themselves peacemakers. No, for they shall be known or called as peacemakers. So in your relationship with God, others will see what God sees in you. See, the church family will be the greatest witness of the world that is watching us to know what Jesus did for our life. Because of the way we live, the church will be known for what God did on that cross through Jesus. Not in the building, but at work, in your community, when your kids are playing sports, right? when they're in the after-school programs, how are your children behaving? What, what is your approach as a parent? What is your approach as a brother? What is your approach as a sister, as a coworker? How will the world know that you're a peacemaker? It'll just shine through. And the second implication is this, that God himself will see you as a child of God. And I think that's very important to leave here knowing that. That as a peacemaker, not only will they call you a child of God, but when that time comes and you're before the Father and he sees you and he knows you by name and he knows there's something special about this person, I see myself 
in this person. See, I have no children yet, but I see parents here at One Life, and I see their children being a spitting image of their parents, their mannerisms, the way they talk, the way they love, the way they dress. It's, wow, like, that little girl, she got swag, and she's like, you know? Now, just put that perspective into God seeing how you live, how you dress, how you talk, how you walk. And then you get to heaven, and God says, there's my faithful servant. There's my child. That one was a difference maker. That one impacted Baldwin. That one impacted one life. That one impacted that job. Oh, man, I loved seeing the way that they moved when there was conflict and the way they ran and pursued peace in the midst of it. That one, that's a child of God. If you don't mind, church, would you stand up? We're going to pray for a moment. I think about Paul and when he writes and he describes the fruits of the Spirit and one of them being peace. And how here we are in Matthew, Jesus saying, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called child of God. 